this Deming Institute interview, I speak with Dan Vermeesh and Brian Hoff of Micron Manufacturing in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We discuss the history of Micron, their improvement journey, and how the Deming philosophy is affecting this journey today. Hi, I'm Trip Babbitt host of the Deming Institute podcast. Our guests today are a couple of gentlemen from Micron Manufacturing, Dan Vermeesh and Brian Hoff. Welcome, gentlemen. Hi, Trip. Thanks for having us. Very good. So, first of all, Micron Manufacturing, I, I'm not familiar with it. Why, why don't you share a little bit about what Micron Manufacturing does and a little bit about both your gentlemen's role in Micron? Sure. Uh, Micron Manufacturing is a precision machine products company in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's been in business since 1952. Ed and Jackie Preston founded it back then. And until just a few months ago, uh, Jackie Preston still came in every day, five days a week. Uh, she just turned 91 uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and she hasn't been in in a few months, but uh, she was uh, here every day uh, until then, and it's, it was great because her son currently is the president of Micron, and we have a, a niece and a nephew that work here, and uh, the nephew has a five-year-old daughter that comes in on Saturday and plays on a computer. So it's <laughs> one of the best parts of the story of Micron is we have four generations in this building every week. And uh, it really is a, a part of the story that's important because um, there's a lot of family focus here at Micron that uh, that's important to us. So uh, I am the plant manager, have been the plant manager since 97, and also uh, the lean champion that has tried to be the architect of some of the uh, various improvement systems that we have had uh, since the year 2000 is when we really began implementing our, our transformational change. So I'll let Brian introduce now. Okay. I'm Brian Hoff. I'm the quality manager at Micron. This would be my 22nd year with Micron. And uh, as Dan said, it's, it's, it's around 2001 we began to, be, to transform our journey from kind of an old school business model to trying to adopt what is the best way to make change and improvement. Uh, and it's been an amazing journey. And lately, we seem to have uh, encountered Mr. Deming once again, <laughs> and I guess I'm mature enough to understand it better than I did 20 years ago, and I'm using him almost daily to try to influence the decisions I make each day. Very good. And uh, where are you guys located? Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're on the end of a dead-end street in the northwest corner of Grand Rapids, Michigan, so... That's, that's always part of my the favorite part of the story here is we're kind of located on the end of nothing. And uh, despite all that, our folks here have made so many great changes over the years that we've had uh, thousands of people from, I think, 26 states and eight countries that have come to visit us to, vi to see the systems that have been put into place over the years. And we're only a 40-person company, 28,000 square feet, so... We're just uh, we're a small dot on the map that that over the years have made a big ripple in in the pond of the precision machining uh, industry and and it's just exciting that we've got such a great group of folks that have uh, uh, not only 
made change, but we've made a lot of improvements over the years. But part of our story that we'll get into in a little while is we, we were making a lot of change, but we kind of lost sight of whether or not some of that was improvement. So we could see a lot of change around here, but the <laughs> dials um, stopped moving after a while. And so we, we had to go back to the drawing board, and that drawing board was Dr. Deming's work. Okay, very good. Well, let's pick it up from there. Um, so how did you guys come across Dr. Deming's work? It sounds like maybe you initially uh, knew Dr. Deming, then kind of got away from it. So why don't you share a little bit about uh, your journey there? So this is Brian. And back when I was a, a young 20-some-year-old, I, I happened to go to a statistics course. And during that course, the instructor had mentioned uh, Duran and Deming. So I began with Duran, and in Duran's own books, he mentioned Dr. Deming. So once I completed uh, listening to, to Dr. or Mr. Duran, I read Out of the Crisis, and I, I don't know that it made complete sense to me uh, at the time, but it did. Uh, the thing that got me was the study of variation. But so I spent five or six years diving kind of deep into statistics, and I made some headway. Uh, that wasn't, I, I wasn't at Micron at that time. I was, I was in the plastic industry. So then, uh, I, I joined Micron back in 91 and we were able to use some of the statistical tools. So that in a way I was holding on to some of what, uh, Dr. Deming talked about variation, but I wasn't, I wasn't truly knowledgeable about profound knowledge mm-hmm. and the way to think of all of that. And then I admit to uh, somehow I lost track of, of Dr. Deming for a decade or more. And then later when Micron started doing its deep transformation, uh, Dr. Deming started coming to my mind more often. So I, I reread the books again. And since then, it, it seems as though uh, there was a trajectory of adopting a little more of, of Dr. Deming. And then recently we seem to have found a, a new gear in regards to uh, appreciating what he said. So a number of years ago, maybe, I don't know, the early 2000s, um, Brian and I have had a lot of conversations over our years of transformation. Uh, we, we always called it our lean journey and that's, that's how we knew it. But uh, he would bring up regularly uh, his views on variation. And then I asked, would you come up with all this? And he mentioned Dr. Deming. I'm like, all right, I need to learn more about this. And never, never really put forth the effort to do so until I was at a conference in Columbus, Ohio, I think about eight or nine years ago. And the speaker talked about the 14 points. And I'm like, hmm, seems like I've heard of those in the past. And he, he, talked further about the uh, doing performance evaluations and the disrespect that came from it. And it just so happened to be that I had been pushing performance reviews here, created a very in-depth system. We were doing them quarterly. We were doing all this stuff and I hated every minute of it. And I <laughs> couldn't put my finger on what was it that I felt that was wrong with it until I heard this speakers say just how disrespectful Dr. Deming felt that they were and why. That day I decided before I left that meeting, we were never doing another one. And I came back and I told our management team, it's called Team Strategy. I apologize for pushing it so hard for so many years and shoved it down everybody's throat. 
and today we stopped. I, uh, I wish I would have gotten a picture of the room on that day because <laughs> I think the shot got his face after pushing it so hard and then doing a complete 180. But it truly was like, like seeing the sun come up because it put words to the feeling that was growing within me that this is just wrong because half the people were walking out of the room feeling they were below average, right? Who do you want to feel that way? And it, that was the day that I thought I need to learn more about this guy. <laughs> Very interesting. So, so yeah, go ahead. It was, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. So it was a few years after that that uh, I don't, and I can't recall right now how I caught wind of the Deming Research uh, uh, Conference in uh, at Fordham University in New York. Mm. And we've done a lot of presentations, like I mentioned earlier, sharing our lean story. And so I thought, oh, I'll submit and see if there's interest in, he- interest in hearing our story at the, at the research conference. And, and I was honored to be selected to do that. And, um, it was then that I met Dr. Deming's daughter and grandson and great-grandson and, and heard everybody else that was speaking there and truly became inspired um, by what I heard. And, and Brian joined me on that trip, and I brought my 15-year-old daughter at the time. And uh, I thought, because the story was about this whole story of Micron, and I just wanted, I thought, she needs to hear what grandpa and grandma created because I didn't mention earlier I'm the son-in-law of the, the founders, but uh, so I brought her with me and it turns out she was the youngest attendee at a Deming conference, I think in the history of the Deming conferences. <laughs> and uh, so Kevin and his wife, is her name Judy, I think, right? Yep. Uh, yep. So they embraced her so much. I was really touched by that. So when the conference came to Michigan State University, where my daughter attends now, um, at the conference, we walked in and she was just going to visit and say hi and whatever. And they made her so welcome and got her a badge and invited her to attend a conference and everything. And it was really touching that they had A, remembered her and B, have really embraced a young person and she's brought it up so many times and and it's just that to me that whole story just adds flavor to what i believe is the deming community that i'm beginning to learn more about so it's not just about the things he taught but it's i'm beginning to see that the people that truly understand him or are beginning to uh, it's a, it's a group that we need to hang out, hang out with more right okay so, very good. Side of it too. So, so let me ask you guys: when you uh, started into the Deming philosophy, or, or as you've worked with with it, what what things have you either personally struggled with, or maybe even the organization has struggled with? So, for me, um, I I mentioned it again today in our team strategy meeting to Brian and others that uh, my 2019 transformation. It came earlier this year when Dennis Surgent uh, was the instructor of our Deming uh, CQI Academy is what he calls it. And there was so much reference to improve. So I love the statement. All improvement requires change, not all change results in improvement. So mm-hmm. that, that was great to hear. Her, have heard that before. But... I am a numbers guy through and through on the facts and figures and dates and deadlines. And you got to go, you know, maybe that's 
part of being a plant manager. I don't know, <laughs> but I begin to understand that. And, and we've done a great job recently with our team strategy meetings. We are going to take a step in the right direction every day. And we, we don't hold our feet to the fire like we used to about by this date, this thing has, you know, those kinds of things The the made up numbers of you got to hit this goal by this day. We still have some of that, but it's, there's far less focus on that than there was coming into 2019. And I struggle with it every day, mm. every day that I could bite my tongue and say, don't pick a number, don't create a number, don't push a number push the improvement and true change towards what we are looking to accomplish. And it's, it's liberating to say the very least. And uh, again, it's humbling. It's almost like that day I came back and say, and said, we're not doing another performance evaluation. So for me, <laughs> by a long shot that because it, it, it's such a 180 of who I am. Interesting. Brian or Brian, how about you? Well, first I wanted to attest to watching Dan struggle with not throwing out <laughs> Okay, so you've witnessed it. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I uh, I think for me, oh, recently I encountered a, a customer had a problem, and normally if if we have material here that we have to reinspect, we we learn how to do it, and we show another person how, and we call that a training system. And for some reason, on this particular inch, uh, incident, I decided instead of training the way I always have, I'm going to do it different because Mr. Deming said, you should look harder at your training systems. There are likely problems there. Hmm. And so I decided what would be a better way. And when I was done, it, it literally opened my mind to the amount of variations in a training system either doesn't pay attention to or creates all by itself. And so that would be a thing that, that recently happened to me in regards to understanding better, something that, that Mr. Deming talked about. Very good. So here, here's a question for both of you, uh, and it doesn't matter what order that uh, you respond, but if you were, uh, if you're a manufacturer, let's say listening to this uh, podcast episode, and you were thinking about this, what are some of the maybe, I don't know, pointers that you might give them uh, about uh, going to this philosophy? What, what are the steps that you, you think they might go through or what, what advice might you have? That's a very good question. I think that as in most things, uh, learning has to take place. And for me and for Brian, uh, matter of fact, he's got uh, out of the crisis in his hands. Now it's got so many <laughs> sticky notes in it. Uh, I, I always give Brian uh, uh, a little ribbing because I call it his, uh, the Brian's Deming Bible here. Cause he carries it with him everywhere. <laughs> I, I don't think I'd recognize him if he came to work without the thing in his hand. So uh, I think you have to start there. And I didn't start there. I just read, uh, let me see, the, the, the new economics. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, I just got done with it a few weeks ago. First damning book I ever read. Okay. And I should have a long time ago. Before I did, went to the research conference, I, I read online. I learned more. I loved the history. I loved the fact that he grew up in a farming area and studied how sugar beets were. Because I grew up, 
on a sugar beet farm in Michigan here. So that really all resonated with me. And as I began to learn his story and his past, it begins to patch together a lot of thoughts about how this may have all developed for him. And and I love the history part of it. That's great. Um, So I would suggest people, A, read about him, listen to these podcasts for sure, look online. It's, It's the educational beginning, but it was instrumental earlier this year, after all this time, having taken the Dennis Surgeon's CQI Academy that really gave us, it's a 12-week deep dive. And I have to believe these types of sessions are all over the United States for people to be able to learn more and participate in groups um, exactly and implement exactly what he's, what he's trying to implement. And so through that, one of the things that's occurred to me this year is I began to have a greater recognition and appreciation for, let's go back to our founders, Ed and Jackie Preston, you know, back in 1952, they, they started this business. And so when I came aboard in 96, there was a, a few things that stood out to me. A, the phone never rang more than three times because it was disrespectful to the customer to make them have to listen to the ring on the phone more than three times. It was just a thing. Everybody here still knows it. Yeah. By the time that, if there's a fourth ring, everybody in the plant is running for a phone because it shouldn't ring more than three times. And that's just instilled by Mr. Preston from the beginning. The other thing is um, when we have meals here and we have a lot of meals at this company, the Preston at Orjacky, now Ed's passed away now, and anytime we had a meal, they always ate last. They always insisted, everybody else, you go first, we go last. Now, Simon Sinek wrote a book, Leaders Eat Last, and when I read that, I saw Ed and Jackie, but I still believe it's all part of what Deming, his respect that he had for people, and and I saw so much of that and have seen so much in Ed and Jackie over the years, the respect for people to make for sure that the people in this company are taken care of first. And um, well, so so I would read, learn, and then recognize and appreciate what already exists around you. And then I would start, I think, trying to implement the things that you learn. Very good. Brian, do you have something to add? Not really. Okay. <laughs> Oh no, that no, that's fine. So, so let me ask you just kind of a, a broader question. Are you? It looked like you guys sell globally, correct? Yeah, pro- mostly in the United States. To be uh, honest with you, okay. Uh, if something goes outside of the United States, it's through our customers, not not directly from us to a customer outside of the United States. Okay. So, so has the environment? changed much? I mean, there's a lot going on economically for your company. Has it gotten a lot better? Or has it kind of been stable all along? Or what's it like out there as far as manufacturing goes? So this year, there's been a softening in general uh, across pretty much all of the industries that we serve. And we, we serve a number of them. Most of our business is relatively local about 70 to 73 percent is in michigan and the rest is either in southern indiana or, or texas straight down that corridor in general it has softened and i just saw the numbers today that manufacturing in the third quarter actually went up a touch which surprised me because we haven't seen it and i haven't heard that from our suppliers to be quite honest with you mm. 
But uh, one of the things that we've tried to do over the years, as we call it our lean journey, or or now we're shifting gears into, uh, we actually trademarked a year or two ago uh, the term system micron because the reason people come here, the reason 3,000 people have visited are to see our systems. We've had fire departments, healthcare, the, the, the company that created the Recessa Annie. We've had people from all over the, the world come and see how we schedule production. We have mm-hmm. no mid-level management, how we have total flex time. People can decide which days they work, what hours they work, the whole nine yards. And, and so people have come from all over to see how the heck can you manage a company to where there are, there's no bosses. There's nobody that tells people what to do. Brian and I are the managers of quality and manufacturing, and there's, there's an engineering manager, but we're responsible for the systems and making for sure people, the resources are there, of course. But it's, it's really, there's so much autonomy that people have. And, and this year, really over the last three or four years that we've been using uh, the Toyota Kata, it really began to teach us a better understanding of the, the well, Toyota Kata calls it PD, PDCA, not PDSA. So we use that language mostly because of that. But because of that, we began to emphasize every conversation, what did we learn? What did we learn? I, I think if I were to look back in the three, last three years, the number one question that we ask ourselves is, what did we learn? Fill in the blank on whatever the heck it is that we're, we're talking about. So I would, I would dare say that uh, the Deming philosophy is all about what have you learned, and, and we've embraced that more than any. Okay. And uh, you guys have mentioned the, the lean journey that you kind of started on before you kind of got into Deming. What do you see as kind of the differences between them, or, or how did they uh, maybe uh, synergistically uh, engage with each other as, as you work through this? Or... or, or What's happened with this this lean journey? It's still continuing that? Does the Deming philosophy enhance it? What's your view? So, I think that, um, like most things in life, it's the perspective you choose. And I think that you can, and perhaps, many companies have chosen the perspective of lean is the elimination of waste. And of course that's an element of it, but I believe, and we've used that language here a lot, but I believe truly that what we've tried to do with our lean journey is to best use our resources. So Dr. Demi talks about optimization of processes, right? We haven't used that language exactly a lot, but that's what our journey has been about. How do we optimize what we do? How do we create standards, stick to them, improve the standards, and make things, the lives of our people better? And that, from day one, when we, our first meeting about why are we going to take this lean journey, way back in August of 2000, our management team said it is for one reason, and that it is to make the lives of our people better. And from that day on, I felt as long as we have that focus, um, we're on the right path. And and so as we went through our lean journey, we were um, awarded the Shingo 
silver medallion for operational excellence back in 2008-9 time frame. And it's referred to as the, the Nobel Prize of Business or Manufacturing by Business Week. And that was nice to get. Um, it was kind of a confirmation that we're on a good path, but it, the best thing about it is it told us all things we could do better. Mm-hmm. And so we tried to embrace that. And so as we've learned more about uh, the teachings of Dr. Demings, here, here's a thing that we weren't using properly our entire lean journey that we're only now starting to learn and use much better. And that is the understanding of variation that Brian mentioned earlier in sure. control charts. Yep. And we hadn't used I don't know if we used a control chart in 15 years, probably, or 20. I don't know. It's been a while. And now we really are. We're embracing the heck out of that, and we're beginning to understand where we have to measure data and where you continue on. Probably the greatest weakness, though, for us, the difference between how we treated lean and, and what we're learning from Dr. Deming, though, is we were making a lot of change and we weren't necessarily tracking whether or not that change was an improvement towards the thing we needed improvement on. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That corner of the plant might look better now, but is it truly improving anything that's going to help the customer? And we lost sight of that for a while, I believe. And I think we're getting that back now. Right, Brian, do you have anything else? Then? That was pretty good. I, uh, the appreciation of a system as, as we mm-hmm. did the lean, I think we learned more about systems mm-hmm. because you have to diagram them out and understand the, the interactions between them. And so that kind of opened our eyes and, and just happened to fit in with it, it kind of reconfirms that Dr. Deming needs says you should understand your system as good as you can. And I think it also uh, psychology, you know, in the beginning there are resistors because changes is, is scary and, I'm sure some people wonder if you truly mean it or is that just the the passing thing this month? And so you under, as you uh, push that journey through and, and you get the buy-in from people that, that were once resistors, okay, that's cool. You, you get to watch growth in your own people. You learn how to achieve that growth faster, either by learning from your mistakes or the occasional times we, we somehow did it right. So I thought all of that, uh, there is a consistency between Lean and Dr. Deming. I, I think I can see that. Okay. And Brian, I just have to ask, because you, you mentioned that you kind of got into variation, you know, years ago, or maybe even a couple decades ago, uh, and, and <laughs> right. we're using it in, you know, in, in the, what's different today? What, what, it sounds like you started into it, kind of got away from it and then went back to it. What, Take me a little bit on that journey. So, long ago, when when I was when I first was introduced to it, uh, we were trying to. I worked in plastics, and we wanted to learn how to build dies better. And so, is there a way to design a die with more success by the time you're done, by the time you're finished? Mm. And I couldn't believe how much statistics helped you in die design. So, that was kind of low hanging fruit. And uh, so it was fun to play with, but we didn't necessarily use it in day-to-day production at the facility I worked with. Okay. So then I moved on on to Micron, and that was my first attempt. Okay, we don't use it to design our process, but we do use it to monitor our process. And back then, 
you know, it was sort of driven by customers. They were requiring uh, statistical data. And, and that's fine, but what's more fine or more fun is to actually learn that you can predict your process. That I find that fascinating every day. So we were into that pretty deep uh, for about four or five years. And for some reason, the customers decided to, to let those requirements go. Hmm. And somehow that, that seemed to be, it took the wind out of the sails of that process. And so for some time, we, we didn't use statistics for quite some time. And then uh, I would say in the last five or six years, we, we are doing more and more statistical studies and, and realizing once again the benefits of doing so. And, and now we're actually applying it to management processes rather than just parts or, or machines. And we're finding that that is even more fascinating than than going out and doing capability studies out next to a, a CNC. Very so I, I yeah. think that one of the um, <laughs> one of the stark differences between then and now is we did it because the customer demanded it, and as soon as they stopped demanding it, we stopped doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it tells you how mature we were at the time, right? <laughs> Not very. <laughs> now it's funny because, we, because it's beginning to, we realize, as Ryan said, it's helping us understand our management systems in ways we never would have dreamt before. And we're doing it because it's the right thing to do and we're learning from it. And um, we're the kind of company that there's no doubt in my mind that sometime very nearly down the road, we're going to be pushing this to our customers to try to do the same thing. Cause we did that with our lean systems. When, when we first started our lean journey, you know, by the time 2003 rolled around, we had made a lot of changes and we realized not one of our customers had any idea what lean was. And we, we began to bump up into, we can only improve our system so well if we can't tie it to what our customers are demanding or needing from us. So we went on this uh, magical mystery tour out to our customers for probably three years to try to see how can we link what we're doing to what you might need. And pretty soon, our, all of our customers wanted to link their systems to ours. And we went from like 16% of what we built was on some kind of pull system to 68% within those three years. Wow. And uh, it was an amazing thing because when they began to recognize what it could do for them, um, and it helped us help them that it was great. So we were still, we began then to take what we learned and what we knew and, and share it with the customers. So here's just another thing that as we learn more, I can see that we're going to share it with the customers because it'll help them help us. Very cool. So uh, my last question for you guys is is my typical one, um, which is, uh, is there anything that we've talked about or that you've responded to that you'd like to make a clarification of? Or is there any question I didn't ask that you wish I would have? That's, that's really, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I know that there uh, the, the Deming Institute is reaching out to educational organizations for across the country. I'm not aware of any of that in Michigan. Uh, there are individuals, like I mentioned, Dennis, a few times now, that is trying to help industry, but it's important that uh, we believe that the school systems are helped. A few years ago, Mike Rother, the author of the Toyota Kata, 
uh, was gracious enough to stop at Micron, wander through the plant. And then I was so bold as to invite him to teach the school that my kids went to grade school, uh, how to do the participate in the kata, which of course, as I mentioned, includes the whole PDCA cycle of improvements. And he did so. And I thought it was a fantastic um, session and it began me thinking, how can we get more authors? How can we get more people helping teach the schools to teach students how to be more critical thinkers? So I, I think that that would be something of oh, certain interest of, of manufacturers all over the country as we try to help, um, you know, you know, the skills gap all the time, right? Well, mostly it's a critical thinking gap, in our opinion, and we can teach the skill. Uh, so anything like that, we would love to see and hear more about as time goes by. Very cool. Brian, thoughts, last thoughts? Yeah. I don't remember who you were talking to in one of your podcasts, but your guest you asked a question of them, and I'm going to paraphrase. Okay. Do you think the Deming philosophy is growing or shrinking or remaining the same? And he said he did not believe it to be growing. My dis- I-, I was disappointed. It- whoever your guest was, it seemed like a person that would probably know that answer better than I do. Mm. And uh, that made me sad to think. And so I am curious, as Dan just said, you know, not only getting to the local school systems, but also the business schools, what is, what is coming out of the, the business schools now, the people that we're going to hire soon, and then how do we get even further ahead, as Dan said, and, and get this all the way down to how do you teach young people to think in a, in a better way? And, uh, yeah, it's important for us. So earlier this year, Brian and I both referred to uh, the CQI Academy that we had taken to learn more about Dr. Deming's work. And I had coordinated through, it's an organization called Discover Manufacturing here in West Michigan. I coordinated uh, an ILC, an industry-led collaborative, to where four of our companies, 19 different people or 20, uh, went to this class. And... One was in carbon composites, another one furniture, and there was another machining company like ours. And it didn't matter that we were from basically different industries and different walks of life. There was somebody from shipping to, you know, my position or Brian's as managers and everything in between. And it was a fantastic way to learn these collaboratives of different companies. So uh, we're intending to do it again uh, this next spring. Uh, I'm signed up as the, the co-lead for Discover Manufacturing to make for sure we're doing that's That's our contribution to try to make for sure that we're spreading the, the teachings of Dr. Demings in West Michigan here because, to be quite honest, I'm not sure what else we can do other than use it here. Uh, we have tours every two or three weeks and people who come see it and we're trying to help this uh, ILC uh, and more companies learn about it. So I hope that your listeners and companies that are getting involved, open the doors and bring people in and show them what they're learning. It doesn't matter how minor it is. Um, Teach what you're learning and then try to get other companies together to do the same. 
Uh, that's uh, sage advice. Uh, we appreciate it. Well, uh, Dan and Brian, we certainly appreciate you being part of the Deming Institute podcast. Well, thank you, Trevor. Yeah, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Deming Institute podcast. Stay updated on the latest blogs, podcasts, programs, and other activities at Deming.org.